I want to talk to you this morning about our savage saviors. We're continuing in the series. So if you've got your Bible, man, I'd be opening that thing to Mark chapter 10 right now and, or your device, uh, or we'll be putting it on the screen. And I realize because of every exciting thing we've had going, my time is short this morning, so I'm going to get right into it. Again, we're talking about the term savage because Jesus was savage, savage according to this definition, um, courageous, brave, bold, to the point that people would ask you know, are you crazy? Or they would judge, are you crazy? Also, not concerned about the consequences of his actions. Jesus didn't come to be concerned about what we thought of him. Jesus came to change our lives. Can you say amen? And so that's the savage part of it. So we're being challenged to kind of have our paradigm shifted from Jesus being a safe savior to Jesus being a savage savior. And I love that. Uh, that's why, go back to the screen, the, 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 the title screen for me. I just can't tell you how much, I'm a collector of, Christian art and um, have been for 20 plus, plus years. And I, I love seeing pictures that just really portray the, the, the power of Jesus. And this is a Christian art piece that I still can't find, but I saw it once upon a time. And I, I found it, we found it online, so we use it as the backdrop for this. But it just kind of shows me how savage Jesus was. He's in the tomb in the borrowed tomb, been there for three days. Go, he went to hell, took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave, rose victoriously, and now he's coming out, and it seems like every other picture or mental picture we have is Jesus coming out of the cross, and and out he comes. That's, I think he just burst forth and he's on mission. And you see, he's got the scars to prove it, and he's ready to go, and he's like, it's time to take back everything that the enemy has stolen. He's savage. And so in Mark chapter 10, we're to the point where we, we, uh, we see in this, uh, this last story before Palm Sunday happens, we run into another blind man. We ran into a blind man last week. So we're going to talk about another blind man. There's something about this that Jesus wants us, wants us to see. So Mark chapter 10, verse number 46 is where I'm starting at today. Uh, then they came to Jericho. Let's stop there for a second. The question I have when I read a sentence like that is, who is they? I want to know who is they. Then they, hit the pause button for a moment. We'll come back and answer that question in about 90 seconds or so. But, but who is they? So we'll continue. Verse number 46. As Jesus and his disciples, together with the large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. The people were irritated by this beggar's shouting, but I have a question for you. How else is a beggar supposed to make a living if a beggar doesn't shout, I need a little change. Can you spare a little change? Anybody got a dollar? How else is a beggar supposed to be able to provide for himself if a beggar doesn't shout? This beggar had been standing on the roadside begging for his whole life. And up to that point, they weren't irritated with him. Up to that point, he had become just kind of a fixture on the corner. Hey, anybody got any change? Anybody got any spare money? Can you help a, help a blind beggar out? Can you, can you give me a handout? Can you do that? He had been doing it, but now they're ticked off. They weren't ticked off when he's asking for money, but they're ticked off when he's asking for Jesus. They're challenging it because the enemy has no problem with you begging for stuff as long as you're not begging for God. 
You, you can beg for a job, the enemy's fine with that. You can beg for a house and clothes and shoes and a husband and a wife, car. You can beg for compliments on social media. I'm so tired of begging for stuff. Aren't you tired of begging for stuff in your life? Everything inside of us should be straining toward our living, marvelous, savage Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on now. That's, that's why we're here today, friends. You know, the enemy will often encourage you to keep begging for stuff in order to keep you in a broken state and focusing on yourself rather than focusing on God. But when you shift it like Blind Bartimaeus did and start getting your focus right, getting your priorities right, and you're concentrated, like Trinity said earlier, on God first, everything. Everything changes. Let's, that's, let's just I get all go. Let's look at verse number 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to, well, that's kind of a strange question. I mean, he's blind and he is a beggar. Seems like you don't have to ask him that question, what do you want me to do for you? It seems kind of obvious to me, right? Give him some money or, or help him so that he can, he can see. What do you want me to do for you was the question. And then we continue reading into verse number 52. The, or 51, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. It's a great story. Blind beggar, Bartimaeus, gets his sight, and now uh, he's not gonna have to go through life anymore at the mercy of other people, but he's going to be able to fulfill his divine purpose. You see, his blindness is what was crippling him. His blindness was keeping him begging on the side of the road. If he wasn't blind, he wouldn't have to beg. Um, he can't fulfill what God has for him in his life the call that he, I wonder, I wonder, are you living the life of a blind beggar? Are, are you living your life with great purpose? Uh, or are you living your life just concerned and consumed with the next fix, the next thing, the next item on your stuff list? This miracle, though, that we just read about, it wasn't even the main miracle in the story. You see, oftentimes we look at the story Jesus tells us as the hand and he's showing it to us. But there is a whole backdrop behind this that he wants us to see. I think it's even a bigger story. And so that's what we're going to learn for the next 25 minutes or so this morning is, is, what, is what is the backdrop? Uh, remember I asked the question, who is they? Yeah, who is they at the beginning of the story in verse 46? Well, we're going to go back just a few verses to the story before the story, to verse, same chapter, chapter 10, verse number 35. It says, then James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to him. Okay, now we know who they is. They, they is, they, they are James and John. James and John were two of Jesus' disciples who were representing the rest of the disciples. You ever had somebody, remember when you, if you had, anybody have siblings in here? And, and, and I had two brothers, and we always had this conversation, you ask, no, you ask, no, you ask, right? Yeah, so, so James and John were elected, 
right? And so they asked the question. What question did they ask? Let's continue reading. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) That's kind of an open-ended question. So Jesus uh, naturally says, well, what do you want me to do for you? Um, They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. I, I think Jesus might be a little triggered here. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can, can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized? You know what? This, this is the place, let me just summarize, where Jesus is, is like, you know what, fellas? <laughs> Huddle up. Come on over here because I got something to tell you right now that you're still not understanding. I've been trying to teach you something for a long time. Kings and officials will lord their authority over you. But among you, it should be different. You don't lord your authority. Whoever among you wants to be the greatest, that person must become the servant to all. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you want to be a leader, the way up is down. And they're not used to this. And so the healing of blind Bartimaeus comes right after this conversation where Jesus, three years after walking with his disciples, after teaching and training and modeling for them all righteousness, all truth, all power, all glory, this is three years into the journey. (laughs) And here they are still wanting to, looking out for number one. Can you see the narcissism kind of coming through in these disciples, right? In fact, I can kind of see that coming through. Uh, Narcissism is, is where you put your focus on you. It's all about, it's all about me, right? And we do that. And, the fo- and I'm, I'm saying, I'm suggesting that everybody's narcissistic in, in a, just a, to a degree or another because our focus is on me. And Jesus is like, I, I want you to shift that over. So right after this, blind Bartimaeus comes and I think there's a good reason why. I think the reason why is because Jesus decided to use blind Bartimaeus Blind begging Bartimaeus. We call him Triple B, baby, right? Blind begging Bartimaeus. His physical healing as an object lesson, as as an illustration to reinforce this savage teaching that if you want to be a leader, the way up is down. In other words, fellas, we've been together for a long time now, but your spiritual eyes are still sealed closed. You thought this miracle was about blind Bartimaeus, but I'm still working on you, Jesus is saying. So I'm using his healing to point to even a bigger issue in people's hearts to show you that you are blind and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. See, Jesus wasn't dealing with this story, blind Bartimaeus. Um, Jesus wasn't dealing with lost people. He wasn't dealing with who we call the sought, people who don't know God. He's dealing with with followers. He's talking to his disciples. We are his disciples. He's talking to us. This is to us. You can't be pointing fingers. They need to hear it. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. It's, it's It's directly to us. These disciples have been with Jesus. They've done life with Jesus, seen his miracles, witnessed his power. Is it possible that you can have both eyes open and still be blind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I know. Anytime you lose your ability to see, you gain your ability to need. 
if, if you can't see, you beg. If you don't have vision, you beg. Anytime you lose your vision, you become a beggar. Anytime your eyes grow dim, you're at the mercy of somebody else. Oh, man, there's so much to this story. When, when you can't see right, you're going to need help. When the power goes out and you have children or when you were a child and the power goes out, electricity's gone, lights are gone, what do the kids say? Mom! Right? They, they're hollering out for mom. Really what they're saying is, is help, especially if you're in a strange place. Especially if you, you don't know your way around. I don't care if you're in a place that you're, if you're in your own bedroom and the lights go out. You swear somebody's just cut the electrical wire and they're coming in with a, with a team to take you. You know what I'm talking about? Your brain goes crazy because, because you can't see. And for some of you, for some of us, the lights in your life have gone out and, and you've lost your vision, your purpose, your, your, your calling, your reason. And now you find yourself begging begging for help. You got a broken heart. Lights went out. You, you, you have financial problems. Lights went out. Asking God to do something for you, and he didn't do what you asked him to do for you, and the lights, the lights have gone out in your life. You thought the marriage would last, and it didn't last. Uh, the lights went out. Anytime there are significant events in our lives that don't go the way that we think they should go, the lights go out. It, your vision begins to draw, draw dim. You lose your vision. And if you're not careful in those times, man, I hope you'll listen. If you're not careful in those times, you'll, the ability to need will overcome your vision and you'll start to beg and you'll never fulfill your purpose. So you start begging for things that won't ever satisfy Start begging for things that won't ever last. You start asking for seats at the table when you forget that you actually have a seat at the table, right? And you want a certain seat at the table, but it is incredible to have a seat at the table. Can you say amen? So Jesus was saying, hey, fellas, I just need you to know, you are blind begging Bartimaeus. See yourself in this real life story that just unfolded. Can, can, can you do that? I don't know if they could. I don't know if they couldn't. Seems like they figured it out because then after Jesus died and rose and, and, and ascended into heaven, they, they turned the world upside down, right? And so that's good news, but it took them a while. So what happens is, is we, start, we, start, we start begging. Uh, we beg Jesus. We beg God. We beg people for validation. Can you spare a little validation? Can you just validate my life? I just, I need to feel important in my, can you spare a little acceptance because I need to be accepted? I need to feel like, I. can you just double tap my photo? Can you do that? I know you liked it, but you just gave me the thumbs up and you didn't give me the heart and I really need the love. And can you just spare a little bit of acceptance in my life? Because I, I we start begging for things. Can you just give me a little approval? I mean, I really want, 
want that employee of the month parking space. I really need my picture to be displayed on the wall. Some of us suffer from approval addiction. I don't even know if that's a phrase, but we're making it a phrase as of today. We've got approval. and You're just waiting for other people's approval, so you just keep shaking the cup. Shaking the cup. Jesus, can you just give me a little love? I just need a little love. If y'all aren't careful, I'm going to... This, this, this white boy is going to break out in Willie Nelson in just a moment, right? <laughs> Looking for love in all the wrong... You know what I'm talking about, right? We do that. Troy, you don't have a clue what it's like. Stop, stop talking down to me. Oh, really? Now, listen, I know it's hard being you. I know it is. And, and I, you, you need someone to help you. I, I know you do. Um, you, need, you feel like you need a handout. If the church won't do it, Troy, then I think the government should. I think the government should. If God's not going to come through for me, then... Then I'll look for something or somebody else will. So I'm just going to stay in my blind state and keep on begging and keep on begging. Can someone spare me some change? Can someone spare me some change? And we put it out there. Listen to me. God has not called his followers, his children to beg. I have good news for you. Our savage Savior, Jesus Christ, already does love you. He already does approve you. He already does accept you. And he already does validate you in your life. You don't have to beg for that. It's already been granted. It's already been given to you. Our God is so big. Our God is so great that he always gives you more than what you're looking for in your life. Just like blind Bartimaeus. You, you thought you were looking for some change. Just need some change. You thought you were looking for but. Our savage Savior came to bring you real change in your life, real, sustaining, lasting, eternal change in your life. And he's not just going to fill your cup. He came and he died and he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he gave us the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit so that he could change your life, everything about you. He wants to get in your business and change you from the inside out. He is in the transformation, the metamorphosis business is what he's in man that's good and he wants to fill you to overflowing how do I get there I'm really glad you asked because the introduction's over and now we're ready to get into the meat of this thing what can I learn from this story because for some of you the lights are pretty dim right now and I get that it's ridiculous for you to go to church and hear a few hand claps and go home in the same miserable state you're in so let's let's learn something from this story in real time that will help you in the parking lot and in the car and when you go back home again where you're miserable. Are you ready? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw it off. Turn to your neighbor and say, throw it off. Some of you didn't say it, you just disobeyed, so let's try it again. You can't start it off with disobedience. Turn to, turn to, turn to the neighbor you really want to turn to and say, throw it off. Yes, right on, throw, we gotta throw it off. We're gonna throw it off. Blind Bartimaeus does something and here's the key, he does it before he ever reaches Jesus. He does it before he ever gets his miracle, before he ever gets his provision. He does it before there's some things that we need to do for our eyes to be completely open so we're no longer blind. And specifically, blind begging Bartimaeus, triple B, has to throw off, I'm gonna suggest three things. There's probably more in this story. 
So the first thing that blind Bartimaeus does in this story, when he knows Jesus is near as he shouts, and, and the crowd responds to his shouting as we talked about and tells him, shut up, be quiet, knock it off. But the Bible tells us, as we read, that he shouted even more. And so the first thing blind Bartimaeus had to do was he had to learn how to throw off the crowd. Amen. You gotta learn how to throw off the crowd if you want to get to Jesus. You wonder why your eyes aren't open? You wonder why you can't see and you're spiritually blind? Maybe it's because, maybe you're begging because you're letting people around you keep you broke. <laughs> You don't understand. We go way back. You're talking about family. And blood is thicker than water. And my answer to you is it absolutely is thicker than water. And he gave every drop of his blood for you. And that's the bloodline that I want you to dial into. Listen, are you letting other people in your life keep you in a broken state because you're not willing to throw off the crowd, don't let people around you keep you limited. Don't let people around you keep you down. You've come too far to let them decide how much God you can get in your life. Amen. We've got we've got to be in the place where we are. We don't have this. I did a series one time about uh, for what a fear of what other people think, and uh, and uh, we've got we've got to get over the fear of what other people think around us. It's an epidemic, isn't it? And then we put ourselves out on social media, and we really get afraid. We really get afraid that people aren't going to like everything we do. I actually had somebody that I read this morning on Facebook that was just kidding. Um, uh, they said, wow, I have 476 friends. Thank you to the 69 of you who wished me a happy birthday yesterday. And I didn't wish this person a happy birthday yesterday, but now I'm not going to wish this person a happy birthday. You know what I'm talking about? What are you doing? And then somebody called him out on this, and he's like... Um, He's like, um, I was just kidding. I'm like, liar, liar, pants on fire. I didn't say that, but you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, this fear of what other people think, and, and so you get consumed by it. I don't know about you, but I came to church today not to be entertained. I came to church today because I am not ashamed of whom I worship and whom I live for. I came to church today. Listen, it's time to throw off the crowd. If the person to your left or right is holding you back from the, greatest, the greatness of God, Throw off the crowd. I'm not talking about abandoned relationships. I'm talking about press into Jesus and invite them to come with you, but you press into Jesus no matter what. So some people are good to you, but they're not good for you. <laughs> and we gotta put some boundaries in our lives and we're excited that we're gonna help you with that in the coming months. We're too focused a lot of times at our place at the table when we should be focused at his position in our lives. That's a good word. Blind, begging Bartimaeus got his healing because he didn't care about the pecking order of the crowd. See, he was one of the lowest rungs of culture, of society. He shouldn't have been able to speak in front of a rabbi, a teacher, a holy man of God that was there, and Jesus was this in their eyes. But instead, he focused on not his own position, his own, his own, his own place, but he focused on the position of Jesus Christ. And so what does he call him? He says, Jesus, son of David. Wow, there's a lot in that phrase. Son of David, what he's doing is he's pointing out to the crowd around him that I know who this dude is. I know who this guy is. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. 
He is the one that's been prophesied for hundreds and thousands of years prior, and he's standing among us. He is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He's the one who holds all the answers. He could have called him uh, Jesus, uh, son of Joseph, the carpenter's kid. That's what people would have known him, Jesus of Nazareth. That's what people would have known him as, but instead, blind-begging Bartimaeus wasn't worried about, about his place because he knew Jesus' position. <laughs> you gotta know Jesus' position. Let me put it to you this way. Anytime we take Jesus out of his rightful position in our lives, we go blind. Anytime you put Jesus in second place, and Trin just about took my message from me. I'm so proud of her, but it's just confirmation. Confirmation that the Spirit of the Lord wants to speak to us. Anytime you put Jesus in second place or third place or beyond in our lives and not in first place, your eyes grow dim. You begin to lose vision. In other words, when Jesus is second, you don't see straight anymore. You don't see straight anymore. Maybe you've experienced that in your life and then you decided to put Jesus in the rightful place and things, I didn't say things got glorious. In fact, a lot of times, Things get more difficult. Anybody can testify to that one, yes? But you know who's on your side. You know the advocate that you have. You know you're not alone, right? That's a big deal. If your life is dim, maybe it's because Jesus is, is out of place. And when Jesus is in first place in your life, you know that all things are gonna work together for good because I love the Lord. I've been called according to his purpose. You know that you don't have to be anxious about every, anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, you can bring your request to God. You know that he may not come through when I want him to come through. Oh, but he's coming through. He'll, he'll come through. You're not going to be left abandoned or an orphan. He'll come through in this life or he'll come through in the next life. But he's coming through. Now, you don't just need, I got I to gotta move on. You don't just, that's not just the crowd he threw off. But number two, he, he, threw, off, he threw off the coat. The, 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 the coat was, was super, super important. Now, I, I want to explain some things to you so that we understand. I don't, I don't have a, an actual uh, coat here, but I have a, a vest that I'm going to put on for illustrative purposes. By the way, I changed my shirt because they, they were incredible baptism candidates that just got me all soaked, so I had to wear a backup shirt this morning, but I'm sure you all don't care what, what I wear up here. You had to throw off the coat. Um, this coat was in that day very important because it was government issued. It wasn't a coat that he picked up on the side of the road. He had to actually apply for this coat. As a beggar, the government back then, the community leadership would have to certify you as a beggar. In other words, you would get vetted then to find out if you were authentically, um, had no other means of, uh, bringing in income, no other family that could support you, and if so, you'd get a special classification as a beggar. Now, that's not in there. That's why you study the Bible to kind of discover these things. And so he was issued by the government a very special coat that would identify him, a cloak that would identify him as a beggar. And everybody around him knew that he was a legitimate beggar because because he had this special coat on that told everybody around him. I'm not sure if it was by, some say it was by the color, some say it was by the style. I don't know for sure what it was, but everybody then knew that this was a beggar. Then people could differentiate between the legitimate 
real beggar from the hustler. How many think we should bring the coat back to culture again? Anybody? I just think that might be a good idea. Uh, just because I really want to help people, but y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So blind, beg, triple B, has this special coat, and every day as he puts that coat on, he's reminded that he isn't like everybody else. And so he thinks to himself as he puts it on, I got nothing to contribute to society. He, he thinks to himself as he puts it on, I'm just a beggar. In fact, I'm not just a beggar. I've been certified by my country as a beggar. How would that feel? But then something happens, and I don't know what it was, but the power of Almighty God, because something happens inside this guy that he said, listen, I'm not going to let the words that have been spoken over me define me anymore. And he makes a decision on that day that I might be certified, but I am now stepping out of that role, and I'm no longer going to be the same person that has been labeled. Some of you have been certified in your life. You've been certified by people around you as an addict because of some of the choices that you made in your life. You've been certified as a felon because of some of the choices you made. in your, You've been certified as bankrupt, can't handle your finances, your money. You've been certified as divorced because of your failed. You've been certified as a complainer or certified as a gossip or certified as a liar. But God wants you to know that he is so good. He sent his one and only son, our savage savior, Jesus Christ, that he would give his life as a ransom for us. And when the world says that you are certified, God says that you are sonified. Isn't that good news? You're sonified. I love it. I love it. Whom the son sets free, come on, say it with me, is free indeed. You see, the world wants you to wear a coat. The world wants you to wear a coat that says you're certified. Yeah, you're certified. Certified of failure. You're certified of nut job. You're certified, uh, you know, crazy, or you're, you're certified a misfit. You're certified unlovable. Oh, yeah. You know what coat the world has attempted to give you and what coats you've gone ahead and put on because you're wearing the label. And what happened to you in seventh grade is still affecting you at 57. But God has another coat for you. His coat is a coat of righteousness. His coat is a coat of favor. His coat is a coat of grace. His coat is a coat of mercy. It's a coat of family. His coat is a coat of belonging. Your daddy might have called you that. The man who hurt you might have called you that. The, 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 the woman who betrayed you might have called you that. Your classmates might have called you that. But here's what God calls you. God calls you chosen is what he calls you. He calls you, you don't have to be what you've always been before. You don't have to be, wait, he threw off the coat. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, you gotta throw off the crowd. You gotta throw off the coat. Oh, baby, but there is one more. You gotta throw off the cup. Oh, this is a tough one. Because this, this, I don't know, peaches can has been attached to his hand for such a long time. It's become a part of him. It's, it kind of defines, defines him. It probably meant a whole lot to him. It had been his source, lowercase s, for so long. It's how he got his nightly meal. Anybody got any change? 
Let me spare some coins. It's how, he, it's how he was able to purchase the blanket that he slept with at night. It's how he was able to survive. It was almost a part of him. Some of you, hey, let's try this. Some of you thought that if you just hooked up with that guy, or hooked up with that girl, some of you thought that if you just looked at that stuff you're looking at, um, that, that, that it would, it would, it would, you wouldn't feel lonely. Any, look, you know what that is? That guy, that gal, that, they're just a nickel. They're just a nickel. Um, some of you thought that getting drunk would help you to start feeling again or would help you to stop feeling altogether. You know what? It's, it's just a nickel. It's, it's, it's just, some of you thought that if you just bought that thing or got that thing or manipulated to get that thing or stole that thing, that toy or that car or whatever it was, it would satisfy. Smell the new car smell. You know what that was? Say it with me. It, 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 it's, 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 just, it's, just, it's just a nickel. Because guess what? Tomorrow... You're going to have to beg again because you'll be lonely again tomorrow. You'll have feelings again tomorrow. You'll have longings, desires, wants, cravings. Again, they're just nickels. So you got to do what blind Bartimaeus did. And this is the hardest one of all. Is you've got to throw off, you got to throw off the cup. You got to let that lowercase s source go. Because you need to go to the capital S source, Jesus Christ. Uh, God wants to transition you, all of us, from needing a handout to being a helping hand. How much more does, how much greater does that feel? How much, isn't that, you can't help someone when you're always shaking the cup. Don't misunderstand me. Preach the same message, different, different room, different audience, different culture. And I, I just wanted to make sure that the folks that are poor, many of them, and many in here. By the way, you're not poor. You're just broke. There's a difference, right? Dave Ramsey says that all the time, and I just love it. Listen, uh, poor is a mentality. Broke is just a state. And we've been broke many times in our lives, but I had never one day in my life ever, ever, ever been poor, right? And, and neither are you. Some of you, though, so it's not, not talking about money. I'm talking about something way deeper than money. Some of you think, I don't, I don't have a cup, Troy. I don't want to throw off a cup. I don't have a Oh, baby. You, 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 you got a cup. And you just keep shaking that cup. Can someone just like me? Can someone just friend me? Can, can, can't someone just put a comment on there? Can, I just got a text even right. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Can't you just, you got a cup. Give me a like. It's just a nickel. Friend me. It's just a nickel. Because tomorrow I'm going to need another. I might need two likes tomorrow. Because you always need more when you got an addiction. You know what I'm talking about? You always need more to satisfy. God is saying to us, if you want what I've got for you, what I've got for you, Troy, it can't, it can't, it can't fit in in, in that cup. It can't, it can't fit in that cup. And what, I, what I've got, I didn't come to fill a cup, 
Jesus says. I came to fill your life. So in this story, as I shut this down, in this story, Jesus was actually on his way to the city. He's on his way to the city, and he's going to get on a colt that miraculously is there. And he's going to ride into the city, and the people are going to celebrate him because they think that Jesus is their actual king that's going to set them free from the real oppression that they're experiencing from the Roman government, who has now occupied Israel. You know, it'd be like Canada invading the United States, and now we can't do anything without Canadian approval, which would be really weird, right? Um, and, 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 and so they're, under, they're oppressed, and so they think Jesus is going to come set them free. And so they roll out the red carpet. And the way they roll out the red carpet is, is they take palm branches and they lay them down on the street. And they take off their cloaks and they throw them down. And Jesus, you know, a, a king rides on, on, a, on a colt, on a donkey. And so Jesus rides in and they're celebrating king of the Jews. Same people, same people a few days later are going to yell crucify him. Same people are going to abandon him. Same people are, are going to turn their backs on him. Because why? Because they're narcissistic. Because it wasn't, he didn't come to set them free from the oppression of this present world. He didn't come to set them free from a country that's invading. They didn't, Jesus came to set them free for all eternity, and they couldn't, they couldn't understand that. So, so we, have, we have this is what Jesus was on mission to do. But along the way, he discovered, and I think he knew because he knows all. Along the way, he discovered that his disciples still didn't get it. Which makes me wonder if some 2,000 years later, we still don't get it. And we're blind. So Jesus finds a blind, I mean, a blind guy finds Jesus, you know, but Jesus knew he was there. Jesus put himself in position and the disciples in position so they could have this object lesson to hear that they were still spiritually blind and then to learn what they need to do to not be blind anymore, <laughs> to, to learn what they need to do through this life, this guy's story, what they need to do so that their vision can be restored again. You see, Jesus was teaching them, and I think Jesus is teaching you and me. He's teaching us that we keep asking, we keep asking for change, and Jesus is teaching us, buddy, you are the change. You are the change. What Jesus wants to accomplish in your family, what I believe Jesus wants to accomplish through the network of New Life Church, what I believe Jesus is going to accomplish through, through the nations, it's, it's going to happen through us. It's going to happen through you. You are the change. And, um, quit asking for change because you are the change. You are the change. And I hope you'll get that message today. That's what this story is all about. And then right after this, oh, it all happens. That's when the traditional Easter story takes place. Hosanna! Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Oh, we worship our King. Oh, we give him praise. Oh, wait a minute. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. He didn't come through the way I wanted him to come through. How dare you cross me? Because we're equals after all, and I got the same vote that you've got. And if the big guy upstairs doesn't like it, crucify him put him on a cross let him suffer let him die and all along Jesus is going that's why I came baby I knew this was going to happen see this was the ultimate setup wasn't it and then Jesus went to the cross and I hope you'll reflect this Friday 
the suffering, the pain that Jesus endured so that we can experience freedom, the love, the acceptance, the validation, the joy, and the peace. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for this message that is so timely and it impacts us all and and I appreciate so much God that you've shown us some things and and I believe Lord there are some people here today that need to throw it off I believe there's some people that need to throw off the crowd that's around them that's that's holding them back that's keeping them down sure they come to church and feel inspired and motivated and encouraged and but get back in that get back in that that, that crowd again and it just seems like we, we retreat, we go backwards and I pray that you'd give us an unction I pray that you'd give us a passion I pray that you'd give us conviction God I pray that we get a little fire in our belly God and we'd start acting and talking and walking like the followers of Jesus Christ that you've called us to be some of us need to throw off the coat we've been labeled by the world around us since we were a little boy we've been labeled by our circumstances we've even been labeled by our poor choices but those things do not define us our identity is not found in the coat that we wear that's been assigned to us by the government that's been given to us by the labels that has been given to us listen we don't we aren't defined by that but god we're defined by the coat you give us and your coat is a total different coat it's a it's a coat acceptance some of us have been defined we've allowed ourselves so long to be uh, held back by the cup we decided we're a beggar and that's what we're going to be and so we just keep on begging and uh, and God you're saying listen if you want to not be blind you got to release that thing that you think that you perceive to be your source so whatever that is today God I throw it off doesn't mean I abandon it maybe that that which I thought is my source is my spouse throw it off Maybe that of which I thought is my source is my, or my kids or my house or my, my bank account or my retirement. Maybe that's what I thought was my source. And so today I throw it off. It doesn't mean I abandon it. I walk away from it. I'm not going it, to. It means that I'm putting it in its rightful place and I'm putting you in your rightful place. And Jesus, when you're in your rightful place, I start to see again. And oh God, I want to see again. Oh God, I'm tired of walking through this life with it being so dim. I'm tired of walking through this life with it being so dark. I want to see again. And so with your heads bowed, and and yes, even your eyes closed, your physical eyes, how many would say, you know what? I want to see again. I want to see again. I want my spiritual eyes to be opened. I, I, I understand. I get it now through blind begging Bartimaeus. I understand now what's going on here and I no longer want to be the same person that I've been. I want to be transformed by by the renewing of my mind. I want to be different. I want to be new. I want to be cleansed. I want to be free. If that's you, slip your hand up to heaven as a testimony of your faith today and say, oh God, oh God, come on now, hands all over. Oh God, that's what I want. That's what I need. I need freedom in my bones, freedom in my body, freedom in in my spirit God I need freedom in my soul and so this morning God we ask that you would saturate us with your power your love your joy your mercy your grace and your peace and God we we declare to you that we'll throw it off we'll throw it off we'll throw it off whatever whatever it is the web of deception we find ourselves in we will throw it off in the powerful awesome anointed holy wonderful savage name of Jesus Christ. If you agree, say amen and give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Come on now. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Man, I'm so proud of you, New Life Church. We have got, listen, if you're an intern, now's your time to stand in the back because although several of them are working in the back, we have got to get some help from you and they're gonna come and ask you and if you wanna know how can I serve, go to the Easter eggs and say, hey, how can I help? Is there something specifically you need me to do between now and Friday? We've even decided um, that uh, Michelle and Chris uh, along with the team that they're rallying together. Listen, I couldn't get one single food vendor this year, not one. Last year we had Mountain Mike's come, Pizza Place come, and they sold I think close to $3,000 worth of food. They wouldn't come back this year. I, because they won't let us talk to the owners, the managers don't wanna do the work, and so, and so uh, the owners are probably gonna be really hacked, but now we've decided we're not gonna go with food vendors. I can't tell you how much time we wasted trying to find a food vendor, a single food vendor that would come, and we, we asked them for 25% kickback. And that's very fair because they're making a lot of money that day and we're providing the venue, we, and just one. So we've got Kona Ice coming, but we don't have a food vendor. So this year, we decided we're going back to doing dogs again, but we're not gonna do a lot of hot dogs. We're gonna do a few hot dogs and we're gonna sell out of them. So if you wanna be on the food team, you, you can't shift over from the game team now. You already signed up for the game team. Y'all are there already. But if you wanna be a part of the food team, you can see Michelle or call her. During, she'll be here in the second gathering, but we really do need some help to make sure this goes well. Because last year, the only social media negative thing we ever heard from anybody was this one word. Are you ready? Chaos. I agreed. <laughs> I agree. I didn't really agree, but yeah, I mean, we can do some things to improve it. So the lines aren't 150 kids long, right? We can do some things to improve it. And so we've got a lot of things in plan, but we can't be understaffed. And people are coming to us. And you're like, it's an Easter egg hunt. What's the big deal? Oh, no, 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 no. It's the city coming to New Life Church. And I know there are other amazing things going on. You know, we were the first ones really to do this in this region. Now every other church has jumped on it. And I'm not against that. If you want to go after people, you go after people. Thankfully, all of them decided not to do them at the same time as ours. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm thankful for that because I don't want to compete. But um, I'm just telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a great time to celebrate Jesus Christ. So help, help, help. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May he give you rest. And may he give you peace. The second gathering, we're baptizing, I think, another six or seven, maybe eight people. It'll be the first part of the gathering. If you want to stick around and see those, you're welcome to do that. But I hope you have a tremendous Sunday. God bless you, New Life Church. I will see you on Resurrection Sunday. Y'all are dismissed. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.